You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Name collision as a DNS risk. A lockbit derivative is active against targets in Spain. QR codes as fishbait. Cybersecurity trends in healthcare. A Russian hacktivist auxiliary hits Polish organizations, while investigation of railroad incidents in Poland continues. Ben Yellen looks at the SEC cracking down on NFTs. Mr. Security Answer Person John Pescatori opens up the listener mailbag. And a look at a probably accidental glitch affecting air travel in the UK. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. Cisco Talos researchers this morning described risks posed by DNS name collision, which occurs when the name of an internal network resource overlaps with one used by a public top-level domain, a TLD. One technique the Name Collision Occurrence Management Framework recommends to avoid these collisions is controlled interruption, in which a TLD publishes DNS records at the root level to provide information about the domain. If a network uses an internal name that overlaps with one of these TLDs, it will receive a DNS reply stating, Your DNS needs immediate attention.tld. Talos found, for example, that the .kids TLD used a flawed implementation of controlled interruption. Talos says, One critical piece of information that was left out of the ICANN name collision framework was that the TLD must ensure the name your DNS needs immediate attention.tld is not available for public registration. Unfortunately, no such restriction was in place at the .kids TLD, and Cisco Talos successfully registered the domain name your DNS needs immediate attention.kids. Talos set up an internet server to log all activity related to this name. And immediately, we received a barrage of HTTP requests from systems running Microsoft's System Center Configuration Manager. Because Talos registered the domain name, your DNS needs immediate attention.kids, 
we were able to masquerade as a trusted system. Networks using .kids names could be tricked into trusting our system to relay internal mail, dictate configuration management settings, and more. Talos contacted the administrators of the .kids TLD, and the issue has since been fixed, but curious and colliding domain names continue to represent a potential problem. The National Police of Spain have warned of a LockBit Locker ransomware campaign that's targeting Spanish architectural companies, bleeping computer reports. The attackers are sending phishing emails posing as a photography company that's seeking a cost estimate for a facility renovation. After a brief email conversation with the architecture firm, the threat actors schedule a meeting to discuss the project and send over an archive with documents outlining the proposed renovations. This archive contains a file that will install the ransomware. This is the most recent case of a lockbit infestation, but these have been on the upswing ever since the criminal source code made it possible for opportunists to spawn their own versions of the ransomware. Trustwave Spider Labs warns that threat actors are increasingly using QR codes to distribute phishing links. Many of these attacks impersonate multi-factor authentication prompts from Microsoft and other providers. Trustwave Spider Labs says... The samples we have observed using this technique are primarily disguised as multi-factor authentication notifications, which lure their victims into scanning the QR code with their mobile phones to gain access. However, instead of going to the target's desired location, the QR code leads them to the threat actor's phishing page. It's easy, quick, difficult to detect, and plausible. QR codes are in common use, and many of us will follow them without a lot of reflection— Inevitably, the technique of using QR codes as fishbait has got its own name. Spider Labs calls it quishing. Is it just us, or do the variants of phishing sound even worse than the original? Smishing for SMS fishbait, now quishing for this. Maybe it's the vague sense that this is onomatopoeia, like the sound something nasty makes when you step on it. Keep that quishing stuff off your digital footprints, friends. Clarity has published a report looking at cybersecurity in the healthcare industry, finding that 78% of respondents experienced at least one cybersecurity incident in the past year. Additionally, the survey found that more than 60% of respondents reported a moderate or substantial impact on care delivery, and another 15% reported a severe impact that compromised patient health and or safety. The financial ramifications mainly fell in the $100,000 to $1 million range, with 26% reporting paying ransoms. Most of these costs were associated with operational downtime, followed by reputational damage, insurance premiums, legal fees, and regulatory fines. Turning to the hybrid war Russia is waging against Ukraine, the action in cyberspace seems to have shifted toward Poland. No-name 05716 yesterday hit the Warsaw Stock Exchange, the Polish government's trusted profile identity verification service, and five major commercial banks. CyberNews quotes the group's communique as explaining, to express our support to all adequate citizens of Poland who oppose the authorities of their country drowning in Russophobia, our DDoS rocket launchers today are aimed at Polish targets. The attacks were all DDoS incidents, 
which is consistent with no-name 05716's familiar operational pattern. Some of the attacks seem to have been of longer than usual duration. As of this morning, the Warsaw Stock Exchange and several of the banks were still experiencing disruption. Polish authorities have arrested two men, both Polish citizens, in connection with an attack that halted 20 trains in the vicinity of Szczecin, Security Week reports. They used an acoustic tone transmitted over a radio system to issue stop signals. The incident began Friday night and continued, but with minimal effect Saturday and Sunday in other parts of the country. Cyber News says the two men arrested were taken into custody, where they were found in possession of radio equipment. The suspects' ages are given as 24 and 29, but they're not further identified. Polish intelligence services continue to investigate the incident for signs of Russian sabotage. Polish railroads would be attractive sabotage targets. According to the Washington Post, some 80% of Western supplies delivered to Ukraine transit Poland, and much of that is carried by rail. So, motive and probably opportunity point to Russian involvement, but so far no other evidence has been reported. And finally, a technical problem at the UK's National Air Traffic Services yesterday forced the delay or cancellation of hundreds of flights into the United Kingdom as the loss of automated capability forced controllers to revert to manual methods. The UK's airspace wasn't closed, as a number of reports yesterday put it, but flight disruptions have been widespread. Even though the problem was identified and corrected yesterday afternoon, it may continue for some time. The Telegraph reports that security sources said the fault appeared to be a genuine technical problem and was not believed to be the work of cyber hackers or a hostile foreign state. That may well be the case. Still, the incident remains under investigation, and MSN cites unnamed sources in and around the government who think that foreign sabotage can't be entirely ruled out. Speculation, and it's just that, speculation, inevitably points to Russia. May the investigators get to the bottom of it soon, and flights return to normal. Coming up after the break, Ben Yellen looks at the SEC cracking down on NFTs. Mr. Security Answer Person John Pescatore opens up the listener mailbag. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. 
Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Security answer person. Mr. Security answer person. Hi, I'm John Pescatori, Mr. Security answer person. A question for today's episode. This month, three news items just caught my eye. One, Microsoft released over 130 patches this month. Two, Chinese hackers compromised Microsoft's cloud email services by stealing a cryptographic key. And three, most illegal use of virtual currencies went down, except for ransomware, which went up. Is the world ever going to make any progress in any of these areas? Oh, dear listener, I think you need a vacation. I did see a happy news item about airfare prices. They've been declining. But of course, later I also saw several news items that came out about cascading flight delays due to weather across the U.S. and strikes in Europe. The short answer is software engineering is still an oxymoron. Using the cloud still means using software, which still means vulnerabilities, and criminals will always go after vulnerabilities in people and software. My favorite quote about security comes from that famous security analyst, Helen Keller. Ms. Keller, who lost her sight and hearing when she was 19 months old and had near zero communications with the world until she was seven, when a motivated teacher taught her sign language, you can watch the movie The Miracle Worker to see all about this, she came up with this quote, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Ms. Keller's quote is very appropriate in relation to the security of software. Software development is still largely a craft versus an engineering discipline. And unfortunately, more pressure is put on the software industry to produce more new products faster than to produce safer products. It is much like the entertainment industry, where the products keep coming out and 75% of them are not very good. No matter how many big stars are in it, how many critics like a film or a TV show, or how many AI engines are used to spew out positive quotes anyway, you run the risk of paying $14 to see a real stinker. The same is true in software, just the prices are a lot higher. Our job in security is to make those risks tolerable to enable the bold side of business to stay safe and make money while using inherently insecure technologies. Our industry has many parallels to the pharmaceutical and medical industries. There are a small number of diseases that can be eliminated or nearly eliminated, but there are many, many more where there's just no endgame. 
Vaccines and basic hygiene, however, can bring danger levels down to socially and economically acceptable ranges. The other angle in our industry is crime, which also never goes away. Banks are still robbed, cars are still stolen, scams still happen, but security controls and basic security hygiene and education allow the motivated not to get caught by the criminals very often. As far as that news about virtual currencies and declining criminal use, I'm going to skew a bit old here. But I'm really sure that tulip-related crime saw a similar downswing after the tulip bubble burst in 1637. Of course, the value of cryptocurrencies used illicitly has gone down because the value of cryptocurrencies has gone down. The values of virtual currencies and the valuation of startups that were based on the use of virtual currencies have plummeted in recent months, so obviously criminal use has dropped. But in ransomware, there's still too many targets. There's way too many targets of opportunity for small companies and large for that crime to go away. In fact, what we've seen here recently is some very big targets have once again been hit and once again paid for ransomware via cryptocurrencies. This tells us we still need to prioritize moving to two-factor authentication to defeat phishing and continuing security awareness to lower the odds that users will fall for scams. Add in basic security hygiene, and we can enable the bold to confront dangerous markets and minimize risk, which is why they pay us the big bucks. Every new wave of technology will bring business opportunities along with vulnerabilities that criminals will exploit or well-meaning IT administrators will expose. If you want to see an entertaining show, by the way, about the next wave of all that, I'll leave you with this. Watch episode one of season six of The Black Mirror on Netflix, an episode called Joan is Awful. Get back to me after you've seen that. Thanks for listening. I'm John Pescatori, Mr. Security Answer Person. Mr. Security Answer Person with John Pescatori airs the last Tuesday of each month right here on the CyberWire. Send your questions for Mr. Security Answer Person to questions at thecyberwire.com. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He is from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security and also my co-host over on the Caveat Podcast. Hey, Ben. Hello, Dave. So, uh, interesting article from the folks over at Fortune. This is written by Leo Schwartz. uh, And it's titled, In a First, the SEC Says NFTs Sold by an L.A.-Based Entertainment Firm Are Securities. Here's how that could ripple throughout the industry. What's going on here, Ben? This is really interesting. So... For the first time, the Securities and Exchange Commission in Washington, D.C., has charged this entertainment company uh, called Impact Theory with conducting an unregistered offering of securities via these non-fungible tokens. Um, I'm not an owner of NFTs myself. I think they're kind of silly, but... (laughs) Oh, come on, Ben. Where's your sense of adventure? (laughs) I know, I know. But a lot of people have them and see them as real assets. Right. The issue here is what is under the purview of regulation from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Hmm. Obviously, owners of any asset, including things like collectibles, don't want to be under the watchful eye of the Securities and Exchange Commission. That's bad. (laughs) You're being... Regulated, it's probably going to end up costing you uh, some money and taxes and fees. Okay. Uh, And also, when you're under the watchful eye of regulators, you're less likely to be able to get away with nefarious business practices. So say, for example, I have my collection of priceless artwork, 
or my collection of priceless Beanie Babies, either of those things are outside of the SEC's jurisdiction, and I want to keep it that way. Yes, exactly. Uh, So courts across the country have found repeatedly that things like that, consumer goods, art, collectibles, Mm -hmm. like baseball, basketball cards, those are not securities under federal law. Okay. What this judge is saying for the first time is that when you're talking about something like art or baseball cards, the value would be unaffected if those producers went out of business. So a piece of art is still valuable even after Michelangelo dies or whatever. Hmm. With NFTs, when the developer is managing the blockchain technology behind a collection, the value could be intertwined with the success of the company. Hmm. So it's more intertwined with uh, a company rather than just an individual that has given worth to that object. And that's just kind of the nature of NFTs and blockchain technology. Hmm. This is really groundbreaking. I think this is going to change the market for NFTs. One of the benefits of having NFTs as an asset was being outside the regulation of the SEC. And if the reasoning of this case is adopted, and I think it's reasonably compelling, then that's going to remove that advantage as an asset. And you might just want to go back to collecting baseball cards instead of these (laughs) non-fungible tokens. Or playing the stock market. Exactly. Which is Right. Yeah, it's interesting... um, This article points out that impact theory, they did not admit or deny the SEC's allegations, but they did agree to a cease and desist order, and they're paying $6.1 million in fines, uh, in disgorgement, prejudgment interest, and a civil penalty. Can you unpack that for me? What does that mean, Ben? Sure. Uh, So basically, without acknowledging that uh, NFTs deserve to be under the protection or the watchful eye of the SEC, Mm -hmm. they made the case go away by paying a bunch of fines uh, to the agency and returning money to the investors that purchased these NFTs. Okay. So it was a way to settle the case without setting any precedent on behalf of the company or without the company hurting itself in future litigation by admitting that these NFTs should be regulated or deserve to be regulated by the SEC. I should note that there was some dissenting opinions on the commission, which we don't frequently see. Most of their decisions are unanimous. And they wrote a statement saying that they disagreed with the application of the relevant Supreme Court precedent called the Howey test, which determines whether assets are considered securities. Hmm. And what they argued, these dissenters argued, is that NFTs did not represent shares in a company or produce any type of dividend. It's funny because if that if you follow that to its logical conclusion, then a company like the one we're discussing here would be out of business because mm. it would be seen as not a valuable investment if it didn't provide some type of dividend. Right. So I think the companies that are selling these are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. You need to maintain that these assets are profitable and that it's a worthy investment right. without uh, having it meet those categories that puts it under SEC jurisdiction. So it's just kind of an interesting game that these companies have to play. If I'm a different company in the NFT business, uh, this surely has my attention. Absolutely. Uh, I think because this is a novel case and the first of its kind, I think it could have a ripple effect of affecting how these companies do business, how they structure some of their transactions. Absolutely. All right. Well, again, this is an article uh, from Fortune uh, written by Leo Schwartz. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The CyberWire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. <laughs> <laughs>